Welcome to Hotel Happy Hour, a bi-weekly tonic for the hardest working leaders in the industry. I'm your host, Audrey Levchenko, co-founder and CEO of Perfect Cloud Technologies, and joining us today on our third episode is Greg Miller, former SVP of Marriott Finance. So without further ado, Greg, what is your drink of choice these days? Nice big red wine. Hmm. What kind of variety? Vital. <laughs> uh, a, uh, a Merlot, a good Merlot from California or Australia. Nice. That's my favorite too. That sounds great. Well, Greg, you know, you know this already, but you're one of my most trusted advisors, especially around finance and hospitality. Um, and you've had a really thorough background in finance and marketing and operations, but I'd love if you could give a brief background on your history in hospitality for the audience as well. Sure. Uh, I stumbled into uh, hospitality in 1984 after some time in the Foreign Service and getting an MBA, uh, starting in strategic planning with Marriott. Uh, went through several roles there in planning and development and product development. Uh, moved to Manor Care, which at the time was the parent company of both Choice Hotels and the Manor Care Skilled Nursing uh, business. Worked on both of, both of those businesses and then wound up going with a, a spinoff from Choice uh, where we took all the about 100 owned hotels and spun them off into its own private company and had a very good time with those. So radically different from Marriott and its big full service world. These were mostly comfort ends, uh, smaller hotels and competing in a very different way. Um, went through 9-11 there, uh, found my way back to Marriott and. Uh, the early 2000s and stayed there until I retired a few years ago, uh, mostly in senior roles in finance, in uh, asset management all over the world, and later on in uh, IT with our global IT program, which was uh, billions of dollars of uh, IT work. Uh, now I do some consulting with, uh, with the hotel industry and with others, and I work with early stage entrepreneurs, uh, helping them get their businesses started. Perfect. Thank you, Greg. So obviously right now with the pandemic, finance is key. You know, how do you stay, you know, afloat essentially is really the big topic that we're hearing nowadays. And, you know, people are reforecasting, rebudgeting. So there's, you know, a lot of reasons why we wanted you on our show and to talk about this. So let's just jump right in and hopefully this is really helpful to our audience. So kind of right off the bat, you know, are there any areas of the hotel that you would never have considered cutting before, but that might now find themselves on the chopping block? And what do you think they are? Well, for the most part, uh, hotel operating leverage is pretty obvious. You know, I've, I've worked on everything from Econo Lodge to Ritz-Carlton and Bulgari. And it obviously varies by, uh, by brand, but the, the major levers are, are pretty obvious around uh, people, energy costs, uh, and a few other things. When we've had major crises before, like 9-11 or regionally with SARS or the Great Recession, the survival is, is the thing. And you know, if you don't need to spend this dollar today, you don't do it, you switch to cash accounting, watch your cash. And every hotel pretty much knows what, what their leverage is. What's different this time though is cleanliness, which has always been important, has really risen to the top. Uh, one of the things we learned with, particularly with some of the uh, older hotels that we bought at Sunburst that we had to fix up is customers can't tell the difference sometimes between worn and clean. Mm. So we know that 
you can go all the way to shutting down a hotel. People are doing that now. I would be cautious about exposing areas of my hotel that can't sparkle. Mm -hmm. And even if it means a few less rooms or, or some other event isn't available at a peak time, um, I would consider closing areas of the hotel that, I, that might be due or past due for redo and just can't cut it as really clean uh, just to, to protect the re reputation of the hotel. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's that's one of those first impressions that really makes a big difference in a time where, you know, cleanliness is the driving factor for these hotels. Um, thank you. That's a great point. So considering how rapidly and unpredictably the markets have shifted over the past few months, how are you assessing what to spend money on right now for a hotelier? Well, right now it's survival. So uh, you know, anything that can be postponed is being postponed. Um, but as I make plans looking ahead on what's, what's going to be priorities and what's going to be different as we come out of this, which eventually we will, uh, one is the physical appearance of the hotel. Uh, and that includes whether it's a full redo or improved uh, preventive maintenance in the room, you know, fixing up furniture, consolidating your good furniture in a smaller number of rooms, things like that, um, making the hotel look really good. Um, beyond that, I think technology is going to be really absolutely critical for hotels going forward. Uh, the way people are working is changing. The way they use hotels is certainly going to change. Uh, is this trip necessary will be different. The hotels will become a hub for some kinds of work that might have been done at a client site. There will probably be a mix of working on site and working at client sites. So the, the need for really top tier uh, internet availability for business travelers mm -hmm. is going to be, uh, it's been important for a long time. It's gonna be even more important. And as we head toward 5G, uh, figure out how to have your hotel ready for that. Um, so that's, that's one area that, that's where I would really be looking for planning in the future. And if you want to be a little bit more pie in the sky, um, robotics and automation, whether front of house or back of house are likely to become, I, I think are, are coming. The technology is getting better. Microengineering is getting better. We're seeing robotic bellmen and room service delivery as novelty items right now. Yeah. Uh, I expect to see that change, which will require some re-engineering of processes, not just automating processes. Um, so those are a couple of things that that I would look at as we uh, as we head toward the future. Another thing I would look at is my sales department. Mm -hmm. uh, what we learned during 9/11, uh, and also during the uh, the Great Recession when demand patterns shifted quickly was that your local sales becomes really important and really knowing what's going on in the market so that you can get yours. Uh, I remember markets that were running at 50% during the, uh, the, during the post 9-11 period, but there were hotels that were running 80% because they knew where to look for, uh, for business. And we had some of those hotels and in other places we were the victim of it. Uh, so having 
salespeople who are really get out and go salespeople who cost more than the order takers that you may have. But I would look at closely at my, uh, at my sales department and say, do I have the kinds of people it's going to take to, re to fill this hotel quickly with a variety of new business? Yeah, that's a great point. That's something that um, Tim Harvey brought up on one of our former podcasts was kind of these pockets of demand um, and really focusing on your local markets. So yeah, it sounds to be, you know, there's definitely opportunity in there. And even HP Hotels in the last podcast, Carrie mentioned, you know, that they're able to find little pockets as well. So it sounds to be a recurring theme across the board that there is, you know, there is money out there. You have to, you know, get at it, you know, get after it basically. So one thing that you mentioned, you know, specifically robotics technology, I think that part is an interesting key piece. Just, you know, as a technology, we're always asked, you know, what's your return on investment? Um, and especially with robotics and, you know, there's obviously things that need to be tweaked, integrated. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be justified, especially from the finance department. So what would be helpful to know is what kind of ROI do you think um, people are looking at for a project to justify that investment in this particular moment? Um, in addition, how quickly do you think we need to see that ROI? Well, I'll, I'll say a couple things and I'll, I'll say something I forgot in the last section, which is that contactless service is gonna be another area that is, requires technology and will be very important. Uh, skip the desk, for example, was a top tier request by uh, customers even before the pandemic. I wanna check in on my phone, go to my room, open my door without touching it or minimally touching it with my phone. And I don't wanna see anybody or do anything. So contactless goes with the technology. Mm -hmm. In terms of ROI, I think there's, there's kind of a rethink that needs to be done on, uh, on projects and project finance. There's the, if you will, old fashioned, that's maybe too pejorative, but uh, kinds of ROI projects. Do we do, do we uh, do and put in a new ballroom? Um, do we convert the restaurant to a ballroom, for example? Uh, do we do something new in the gym? Um, do we buy a piece of software because we can actually see the productivity improvement and get the ROI on it? Uh, some of the things I was just talking about in, uh, in the previous section are really about ROI on your hotel. Mm -hmm. If you don't look clean and smell clean and be clean, um, nobody's going to come. If you don't have the technology that enables the business traveler to do his or her work, enables the leisure traveler to feel that he or she can accomplish in a hotel, in a clean hotel, uh, at least as much and with as much confidence as he or she could in a uh, home rental or other circumstance. If you don't have that, if you don't have the check-in and service-related uh, technologies to support the new expectations, you won't have an ROI on your hotel. Mm -hmm. So you need to think about the, if you look for the ROI in putting in contactless uh, uh, door locks or you know, electronic door locks, you probably won't find it. Mm -hmm. If you look for the competitive advantage of having a true contactless uh, in operation from the time the uh, customer arrives at the front door to the time he or she gets into the room, that word gets out. 
and good news and bad news in the era of social media and Google reviews spreads really fast. So I think for the, the technology kinds of projects and the new ways of working kinds of projects, you need to consider them in the context of the uh, whole competitiveness of the hotel. If the project, and there's a lot of monkey business you can do with performance when you do that to try and justify things. Mm -hmm. So finance people are going to have to be skeptical about that, but they also have to be open-minded that the nature of competition is changing and that uh, an ROI of zero uh, might be acceptable if it means that you, you, you can get extra uh, occupancy and you just you track that with your uh, with your Smith travel reports and you know, your rep par indices and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Are there any other factors that you would consider besides that? Well, you're always looking for ROI. If you're going to do the conventional kind of ROI, you do whatever ROI you were looking for in the past and whatever payback period you were looking for. Uh, the technology projects you won't do all at once. Uh, and I would look at my specific hotel and my competitors, and there might be things that are specific to that market. Uh, one time we, we put in a, a heavy duty parking lot in one of our econo lodges that enabled uh, truckers to stay overnight with a uh, secure parking lot that wouldn't be destroyed. Yeah. That was a piece of business we had not been pursuing. Um, it turned out to be a good piece of business for us uh, we did that in response to 9-11, uh, to but it uh, wound up being a good piece of business. So there, there can be things like that that enable you to do uh, business that you hadn't previously expected. Yeah, that's perfect. So, you know, a lot of things have been put on pause, a lot of IT projects, you know, things that were innovative for brands and hotels. Um, when do you think that the people throughout the industry may start to resume those products uh, or projects? And is there a particular sign from the market that everyone's looking for? Well, I don't know what everyone is looking for. What I would be looking for is some positive cash flow that, <clears throat> excuse me, is available for these projects. Mm -hmm. Until you have that, there's, there's nothing to do except uh, stay abreast of your market, mm -hmm. plan for it, and try and think with some originality. Uh, and markets are going to come back in different segments and different sectors and different locations at different times. This may be slower because of the, uh, the problems with air travel and the concerns about air travel mm -hmm. and because this is global. You know, in the past, uh, the effects have been more regional and been easier to look at regionally. It's going to be a little harder this time. So it's going to be, it's going to be local and it's going to be about cash and, and, and markets. But I think you'll see large, larger companies just <clears throat> going slowly until they see some sustained cash flow. Uh, people probably suspended FF and E funding, reserve funding, for example. You, do you do that? Do you do that first, or do you do some projects first before you start refunding the FF and E reserve? Yeah, I don't know the answer. It'll vary by hotel, by company, but things like that are are possible ways that projects might start coming back. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Hoteliers were always able to innovate very nimbly in order to stay afloat in 2008. How would some of those creative strategies work today? For the, 
at the, at the basic level, they'll work about the same. <clears throat> Excuse me. We worked on staffing patterns. We worked on combining jobs. Uh, we worked on simplifying menus, simplifying breakfast buffets. Uh, those things are all, you know, all available today. One of the things we learned is in managing people to involve the, uh, the staff as well. We had some cases, for example, where housekeeping departments, the housekeepers said, we would rather work, each of us work fewer hours than see some of our friends lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, other hotels didn't have that same response, but in some of our hotels, uh, that was, uh, that, that happened. Yeah. Um, same thing happened with, uh, with SARS in Asia, with some of the Marriott hotels. There were different responses at, diff at different levels. Uh, think about who, you, who you're going to want to retain when they come back and how you manage your, your, uh, your layoffs. Uh, some things may stick. You know, how many people do you need on the front desk in a full-service hotel at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Uh, well, maybe one of them can be a swing between the, uh, the, the front desk and the bar. I had that experience to check into a hotel, and the guy who checked me in was behind the bar an hour later. Yeah. I wasn't drinking at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but an hour later, uh, he was behind the bar because uh, it was still a very slow check-in day, and he was just doing overflow from the front desk if they needed it. Um, to the extent that robotics or automation can permanently reduce staffing, those are things you might want to look at now. Um, that's, it's going to stay, it's going to be popular. And so those, those are things that really weren't available 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But mostly at the, uh, at the hotel level, the operating leverage is pretty clear and people are pretty smart. I don't think I have a lot to add to it. All right, thanks. Well, is there anything else that you think would be helpful for you know people to know? Anything that you thought was particularly um, you know helpful that your teams did in you know the last downturn that you think could be of value currently? One of the things we did was was rolling budgeting. You you put together a budget for the year, and a lot of companies have a philosophy that the budget is the budget, mm -hmm. and there's a certain amount of hope in in budgets. Um, and we found that you don't go through the whole painful budget process every quarter. You know, everybody manages day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, but don't let your budget be static. Uh, budgeting and forecasting need to go together. Forecasting is a nuisance, but under adversity, we found that, you know, our, our comfort ends with uh, who did not have people with masters of hotel administration behind the front desk. The front desk managers at the Comfort Inns could do very good forecasts when they had to. Um, and so forecasting and budgeting and really being realistic about that, don't do your projections for the rest of the year, year to date plus budget. That's just silly. I've seen that done a whole lot. Think about incentive compensation. What do you really want your hotel to do in the next three months? And if you're on an annual incentive plan for your managers, you might want to bank the payout until the end of the year, but you may want to calculate uh, payments based on performance month to month um, over some period of time. 
so thinking about the budgeting and forecasting part of it in a much more flexible way and really saying what do i what do i need from my finance tools to help me manage the people and the processes right now in a budget that's written in september for october of next year is probably a useless document it's okay as a starting point mm -hmm. but it's a useless document and so i would be have a very dynamic forecasting and budgeting and rewards process as we go through this yeah i think those are really great ideas and i think that i've seen a couple organizations doing that but i think that you know I think some of the points that you mentioned about payout towards the end of the year being real, really realistic, I think is going to be the key right now. Cause right now it's, it's a month to month, you know, gamble essentially that people are trying to guess uh, what's going to happen. And it's been really difficult, I think for a lot of people. So is there any advice that you'd have on how people can be realistic? Cause I think, you know, the pandemic, for example, and we're all just kind of, uh, kind of moving with the flow right now from what I've seen, you know, weekend travel, holiday travel. Um, it seems like there's some pickup, but it seems very last minute. So I think it would be helpful just to hear your expertise on, you know, how to be realistic in even just a month of a forecast. Uh, this goes back to your sales department. Yeah. If they're not out looking at reader boards, looking at parking lots, talking to their peers, talking to their customers, talking to customers that they know have used other hotels, talking to different types of customers, uh, bus tours, uh, construction workers, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, and what can they get? So uh, that's again bringing you back to your sales force and having them out in the market. Your front desk manager, is he or she talking to his or her colleagues? Yes, they're doing call arounds, but are they getting anything more than that? Mm -hmm. uh, are they going, are they, are they visiting hotels? Um, I had a little baby one time and sometimes I take her with me and go sit in the lobby. Nobody thought that I was checking out their customers. <laughs> just sit in the lobby and play with the baby yeah. and watch the, uh, the flow of the customers. Who's in that hotel? Um, really, really, really having your antennae out and, that, and you can't do that inside your hotel. You have to be out, 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 out. Exactly. Uh, now you might be on, in, in the, with COVID, you might be on the, out on the phone but you have to be reaching outside your hotel. And everybody who stays in hotels is your customer. Mm -hmm. um, whether you're, if, whether you're the Ritz Carlton, if you're the Ritz Carlton, you know, reach down. If you're the Econo Lodge, make your hotel really clean. That was a lot of how we competed at the low end of the market, mm -hmm. was having a cleaner hotel, even you know, just on a regular day. When you get down at that level, Cleanliness is not the given that it is, you know, at a Weston or a Ritz Carlton. Um, and just having a clean, well-run hotel and getting people in there. Uh, you know, who knew that there were some of these kinds of uh, businesses that were, it was out there. Yeah. Um, and we didn't do family reunions. Well, then we did. We learned how to do family reunions, uh, which is a big thing at one point. We learned how to do uh, Asian bus tours lower end Asian bus tours. Uh, yeah, we, we learned how to do construction workers. Uh, so, you know, if you're a little Tony or maybe you do an airplane cruise that you weren't doing before or you know, whatever it is, but somebody is staying in hotels. If you've got a market with 50% occupancy and you've got a 200 room hotel, 
where can you get 50 people out of the thousand rooms that are in your market? Where are they coming from? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I stayed at a hotel recently and I looked around exactly, you know, who's here, you know, who's, who's in the lobby, you know, it was a Hampton Inn and, you know, they had free breakfast. They still had it open. And I was seeing people from, you know, all walks of life, you know, young, old uh, families, business travel. So it was really interesting to see, you know, who was there, but I think you're right. It's they, your salespeople and your managers really do have to be the pulse to figure that out and, and figure out how to capitalize on that and get those pockets of demand. That's really, really great points. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, not really. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very dynamic time and being very dynamic with it is going to be the key to success. Mm -hmm. uh, and not being constrained by historic thinking on how you plan to come out of this and how you think hotels are going to run in the future. They're almost surely going to run differently. Yeah, absolutely. For reasons that we talked about. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Greg. I think this was, you know, loaded with a lot of really great examples and a lot of actionable items that hotels can get started on right, you know, right away if they haven't already um, to start getting some business back into their hotels and start growing again. So thank you so much for your time. Um, and thank you to everyone who's joining us right now on Hotel Happy Hour. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more, please check out our website at purplecloudtech.com. Dot com or follow us on LinkedIn for up-to-date information on all of our future guests and check in with us about two weeks from now for our next episode. And thank you again for listening, everyone. Bye.